Hi, I'm Saleh. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 150 of Shades of Brown, a nice number. Um, I, I love it's 100, 150 episodes. And if it's anything today, it's going to be peak bullshit. It's so peak bullshit. to get started, we're going to be talking about Google Pay relaunching. I'm just fucking with you. Don't don't use Google Pay for your financial information. Support a local credit union. Let's talk about Destiny. Destiny. Let's talk about <laughs> Destiny 2 Beyond the Light. So... Uh, th- when did this come out? This came out on uh, December, November tenth, same day as um, same as Valhalla. Yeah, yeah. Same oh, okay, day as Valhalla. okay, okay. So, so, so Beyond Light. Yep, Beyond. We're we're a couple weeks in. So, can you like just like give an overview of what Beyond Light is like for a story perspective? Like, what's what's happening or what what the what the deal is with with Beyond Light and Destiny Two right now? Like, uh, what's yeah, yeah. Yeah, so with Beyond Light, I would sort of phrase it as a soft reset for multiple reasons from like the game engine perspective and also the, the lore perspective. Um, so where Beyond Light picks up is basically that the pizza pyramid ships from <laughs> from Shadowkeep, yeah. the last expansion, right, right. have now started like during, well, I guess rather to sort of explain since Bungie's not doing the season system of an ongoing story, over the past year, they have been slowly invading planets, right? And Beyond Light picks up where they try and do an assault and the Traveler um, like explodes in white during some in-game event that I, we couldn't load into because it kept erroring out. Yeah, we had to um, watch the stream. Yeah, yeah, I don't watch the stream of it. But yeah, so the Traveler like explodes a bunch of light and keeps them at bay. And so that's where it picks up. And during the last season, you were told to go to um, Europa in, in one of the seasonal missions. Because the way they structured the last season is each week a new story mission would come out. And when you beat all the story missions, it basically said, hey, power is awaiting you on Europa. Come find us. You'll know when it's time, right? So you're picking up from there, going to Europa, because that's what the mysterious voice told you. And you're like, why not? And so you go to Europa. And what basically happens there is that Varix was trying to build, and Varix is a character from Destiny 1. It his backstory isn't as important to the main story of this expansion, but Varix is trying to build like a, a haven for Fallen, but one of his um, colleagues basically gets like gets dark darkness powers from the P- Pizza Pyramid ship, and you sort of pick up with that and, and go through like fighting them and keeping them at bay because they're just trying to be a big bad taking over the universe. At the same time, however, you also have the Exo Stranger come back from Destiny One, who finally has time to explain. <laughs> And basically goes ahead and like you know sends you on your way to get darkness power so you can get like a new subclass and other things. And at the same time, I'm aware that it sounds like you're in the middle of the, of the like of an ongoing story, which you are. So for people who don't play Destiny, you might not understand sort of what the the narrative points I'm referring to. But the thing they do in this expansion is that there's actually two sets of dialogue for most of the story. There's veteran dialogue. And there's new player dialogue, and it's a mix of two depending on when you started playing the game. So for me, because I've been playing since Destiny 1 on the same Xbox account, the Exo Strangers knows who I am and references like things we did in Destiny 1. 
However, lines change if you are new to the game, so you're given more exposition on certain things, right? It's 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 not given to his perspective. Oh, remember in that game you never played where we did this one thing in that one mission? It's she says it more of like I once sent some guardians here to do this, and this is why we did that, and this is what happened. Oh, that's uh, that's actually I, I think that's clever that they are actually attempting to uh, like I guess it's putting in the work to have like. Uh, new players be guided through the story and like not be absolutely massively confused by the dialogue. Like that's actually that's pretty clever. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Like like when um another thing they did as well is that they redid the new player experience with a new version of New Light. And so there is a man named Shahan, I think, who has who is as as Luke Smith said, he's he has two first names from fi- from Fast and the Furious, <laughs> Fast and the Furious characters. Okay, all right, all right, all right. He's actually very boring and, and a generic person, but I think like that's sort of the appeal of him. He is basically loaded into the Cosmodrome, which is the first world you go to in the first Destiny game. They brought it back, and there's a quest line for new players that basically is like, here's how you do this in the game, here's how you do that in the game. But they have a fully voiced character sort of walking you through it, and. They make him boring because he's supposed to be like another guardian, right? He's not supposed to be a main character. He's just supposed to be like another player character showing you how to you know, uh, do things see, in the see, game. Okay. And I okay. will say, I did play through it on my account just to see how the new player experience is. So much better. Because last year with the new player experience, it was basically that you would start playing the game and they would essentially just say, here's one mission to to get you into the game and you're on your own, right? Figure it out. They didn't explain to you how progression works. They didn't explain to you how the, the game pl- gameplay systems work, right? How weapons work, how weapon architects work, what you do in each of the planets. None of that was explained. But now this one, each planet gets an introductory quest for new characters that will sort of explain to you what you can do in this planet, what like how patrols work, how public events work, how the crucible works. And it also gives you like XP and gear. It even like locks off certain parts of the UI until you beat a certain quest, right? So when you're progressing through the new player experience, you actually don't get the full UI. Only when you like beat one mission, it'll then pop up the quest logger and explain to you what it does. Right. That is that is one of those things that that's I I so I think that's actually good because uh, a lot of the time, as you mentioned, like the game just like before this, they just like let you do whatever and like you have to figure it out yourself. It can be like as as like even as a person who like understands how video games work it can be overwhelming like if you're just a new play like, if you if you played other first person shooters you played mmos or whatever and you, you come into destiny 2 and all of a sudden you're like in the story and then the game is just like you, you, there's all these activities that none like the game doesn't tell you what activities you should be doing or what what gives you levels what gives you resources what gives you uh like i don't know story content like what is what like the game doesn't tell you that like you have to figure that out sort of by yourself by looking things up right and that is one of the always been like sort of my problems with destiny is like it doesn't it feels a little like you have to figure out everything on your own and that the game doesn't really tell you what to do or like how to do it or like any sort of like like you, 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 yeah and it even carries it to the end game right so, like, if, say, um, when I when I did this quest and I got to the point where I could start doing endgame activities, it basically tells you, hey, this is a season. These this, these these are these activities that are always, you know, changing every couple of months, right? Cycling in and out of the game. And then it also says these are raids. These are, like, how you progress. And it won't even show you, right, like, raids and other high, like, um, endgame progression points until you reach the power cap, right? Until you get there. And then it explains to you, okay, you're at this point. This is how progression works from here. 
Okay, so that is, I think that is good because that way the, the new player is not overwhelmed by all the sort of stuff that Destiny has, right? Like, I feel like that is a good thing, that it, it actually will keep players playing more instead of them feeling like there's so much stuff that they don't know about and they, they'll feel overwhelmed. Like, I think that's that's actually a pretty smart design decision from their perspective, and that, that that's good. I'm, I'm glad to see the... Uh... Although it is... It is funny when you do the new player stuff. It also activates new player dialogue for you. So sometimes when I'm doing a mission, instead of getting the veteran dialogue, I'll get the, oh, I know you're green to this. Here's how you do X and Y. <laughs> I'm just like, bro, stop. I know. I played the game. I don't need this dialogue. Yeah. yeah so I kind of a- I kind of wish there was an option to turn off certain ve- dialogue bits because I don't need the, the dialogue system is too smart. It, it's really, it's no, I've played this game before. I just wanted to see how the new player quests work. <laughs> But so, what else is new in this? Like from a weapons, from a like I guess from a uh, I guess gear perspective and like levels perspective. Like what is, what has changed and what is like what is what is coming new to this? So I, I think we we before before I like talk into the new stuff. I think it's important to talk about sunsetting and also some of the changes with regards to that. So yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they have cut the game basically in half. You spend like 110 gigs. It's now 60 gigs, which is good objectively but they did that by removing content right so they removed a good majority of the content this is why i said it was like a soft reset because it's not a new game per se but it doesn't have the baggage that destiny had beforehand of like dozens of planets and dozens of activities that don't you know aren't valid anymore for actually leveling in the game or progressing yeah they're they're just nonsense because they can't actually get anything good out of them and they are just just there yeah like they haven't been touched in a while so they remove them entirely out of the game itself and they also remove loot drops as well like loot from them and they have and they sunsetted loot so there's there's two points of contention that a lot of folks in the community have been upset about the first one is hey i paid for these expansions and now they're gone right which is it's a sticky it's a sticky category because at the same time like you can't make a game too big right like you you have to eventually you run into what black ops cold war where it's 250 gigs on pc or something like that right you run into a a, a problem there it's i think you j- you sort of get this like I think it's one of the. It's, I guess any software project, like once it starts to become too big, like it has too many features. Like in the case of a game, like there's too many worlds, too many activities. You have to maintain all of those, right? Like if you, if you, it's gonna be in the game, you have to fix bugs with them. You have to maintain them. You have to keep the assets in the game. As you said, the asset size becomes increasingly large. Like like Call of Duty, like you know, you, 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 it's talking sizes of upwards of two hundred gigs. And also limit designs too, because think about weapon design, right? If you make a new gun, you have to make sure that gun does, isn't break any of like the twenty activities, thirty, forty activities in the game, right? And at that point, that just becomes like. You're spending more time QAing than you are actually doing like dev work, right? And that's where you start to run into a problem where you no longer can release like content efficiently. And so, like, I don't blame them. I also get that, you know, I understand because I paid for it too, right? Like, there's good sixty dollars worth of content that's no longer in there that I paid for, right? So I understand that, but at the same time, like, I I don't mind it because I think the game's better for it, right? Because how their what their plan is is that they're going to cycle in and out content, right? So basically, they had brought back in the Cosmodrome for Destiny 1. Later on in the year, they're going to bring back Venus and some of the raids from Venus and, you know, and have them be upgraded and, and, and redone and, you know, tweaked in certain ways. And then maybe next year, they'll cycle in another planet, take one away, right? And I, do, I, think, I think that's a better way to handle it because, A, it prevents things from getting stale because that means, like, even though you've done this before, it's been gone for a while, right? Like Cosmodrome, I haven't been in the Cosmodrome in, like, four years, right? I don't play Destiny 1 anymore. So even though it's somewhere I've been before, like, you know, it's cool to go back there. It's cool that that's a new starting area for new players. It makes sense. There's a couple missions there you can do. Like, it all, they, 
it works. So I don't, I, I get why people would be upset, but at the same time, like, I don't know if Destiny wants to become World of Warcraft, where the problem that WoW has, right, is that essentially because there's so much content, you just, leveling has become super easy, right? Like, it doesn't feel, like, basically, it's a it's a slog because you have to play through a bunch of content, but it's never hard, right, until you get to the end game. Like, it's like a really bad bell curve in games like WoW in order of ramping up, or you run into the opposite problem. I think this is like an MMO problem. This is an MMO problem, right? This is like clearly an MMO problem. I feel like like maybe Final Fantasy fourteen also has this. I'm not. Well, Final Fantasy fourteen is just too long. That's the problem. We have to end game. Yeah, that. I mean, I I, I don't want to get into Final Fantasy fourteen because I I I didn't play enough to really. I played enough to see what it is, but like it it's too long. Like it, there's so much content, and to get to the good stuff, it takes forever. I think and Destiny, I don't think ever had that. Much of like it was getting there, where like to get to the good stuff in the story, you'd have to play all this stuff. Well, well, what Bungie would do, right? What Bungie used to do is that they would just let you skip to end game. That was their solution before New Light, right? Their solution was if you're a new player, we're just going to start you at like the minimum cap for this expansion. And then if you want to engage with the old content on your own, you can do so, but it doesn't make sense, right? Because you're being thrown into the crux of a story because they didn't really have the, the, they had a little bit of the split dialogue between veteran players and new players, but not as much as they're doing it with this expansion. So it was still like you'd be thrown into arcs and plot lines that you don't understand. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, like I, like I'm 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 actually like this a lot of smart decisions from Bungie this year, uh, and like Bungie sort of like focusing like reducing the scope of the game i think is a good thing for me like i played the, some of the expansions as well right like i played the story i played shadow keep right i played what is it Os- the osiris one uh, forsaken i played the osiris one. Oh, curse of osiris yeah yeah curse of Os- the, uh... which was not not very good but uh you know i played it anyway i did one with anna bay anna bay the one the one with on mars you know the good shit war mind yeah, yeah i played all of those and I would also argue, I would argue they left the good expansions in because the current expansions that are in the game are Forsaken, Shadowkeep, and, and this one, obviously. And I would argue, honestly, that that's the one you want to play, right? If you want to like, those are the good ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 that's the ones you want to play. Like, I, I don't know if you want to go back and play Warmind or like the Osiris one, like Christopher Osiris. Like Christopher Osiris wasn't. I, like I, I've talked to people uh, who play Destiny, and they're like Christopher Osiris wasn't wasn't very good, <laughs> right? Like it, it it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the best expansion. Uh, but. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to get back into the game, but you know, like, I've, I've other. Like, I need to finish some games before I get think about getting into an MMO again. Uh, so like, I, I gotta gotta think about that. But well, I would wait. I would wait till it goes on sale a little bit because there's right now sort of sort of, and this brings me to the next point of what's not in the game, right? So we'll talk about sunsetting for a minute before we actually get to like the new stuff. So what they've done is, and it's understandable because MMOs run into a problem with power creep, right? And Destiny has to handle it a little bit of a different way than a game like Final Fantasy or World of Warcraft does. Because in Destiny, it's it's a lot more tactile experience when you're shooting a gun in that game. Whereas in games like WoW, in games like Final Fantasy XIV, right? What you really care about is how the weapon looks. Because you're just tapping two, right? It's like two, three, two, three, two, three on your keyboard. Or if you have like one of those MMO mouses, right? Those buttons. You're not you're not really like aiming, pulling down, feeling the vibration of a controller, right? Like it isn't as tactile of an experience to fight in those games, right? It's more of a numbers game than it is like a skill or accuracy based game. And because of that, people get a lot more attached to their loadouts in a game like Destiny, I think. Whereas in, in those MMOs, you can just do like transmog, right? You can skin them, right? And you, and you there's ownership in different ways. So, but you run into the problem where 
you have weapons that have been sitting in the game for four years that are made with maybe a different design mentality, right? And you want to move away from it, but those weapons hold back um, specific encounters. And what I mean by that specifically is damage and reload perks. A lot of during early Destiny 2, a lot of the design for bosses and, and um, encounters was use weapons that can do the most damage. But now Bungie's trying to move more towards like um, sort of um, mechanic based encounters, right? Where like in order to damage, you have to get a damage phase. You have to do X, Y, and Z for another player, right? You have to do certain things. That- right. Yeah. I, I, remember, I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. The- I think we did one of the dungeons that was like you had to, yeah, okay. Yeah, you have to like hold an orb. You have to like you have to like slam this thing down to damage to get damage phase. But the problem you run into it is if you have weapons that are based off of perks that give that triple, double their damage or double their reload, that means that you can players can just end up skipping the mechanics entirely when they get get one damage phase, right? And from a design perspective, it keeps breaking the game because in order to combat that, you just make things more tankier and have stomp mechanics and mechanics that no one likes actually playing around with. And so what they've done is that they decided to sunset weapons, which means that you can still use the guns. They will no longer drop in the whirlpool, though, and you can no longer infuse them up to current level. So you can't use them in the end game. You can still use them in PvP because there's some PvP modes, right, that power doesn't matter. So it's, you know, like like control, just not Iron Banner or the any of the end game stuff. And you can't use them in raids and more current content. So the problem we run into with that, though, is that I think they removed a good 70% of the loot drops and didn't and replaced them with almost nothing. There's one, there are one armor set that was reskinned three times for each of the playlists in the expansion right now. And there's one, another armor set for Europa and there's a raid set. So three sets of gear to get. One of them appears three times a different, just it's reskinned. And you have like one set of guns. And so they actually... They actually realized that they walked some of the sense hunting back where they reintroduced weapons from the last three seasons into the loot pool and, and you know, unsunsetted them, right? Basically allowed them to be, you know, infused up to current power and, and used in the end game because they maybe went a little too far in it. And ultimately, I still, I think that's a fine decision because they didn't touch exotics. And I, I there are some weapons in the game that are just broken that are no longer viable in end game content in pvp so i'm very happy with it right like there's some grenade launchers that are one hit kills there are certain weapons that will just fuck you up that you can no longer use in end game and i'm actually fine with that like i think that ultimately i think you run the problem of there's not enough content to replace it but at the same time like this was still a necessary move that had to be done to piece you you can keep increasing power but like right now like a current like the power cap is 1260 like the game needs a stat crunch. The game needs to walk back a little bit. The numbers here. Yeah, that that's. I, w- I was gonna ask about that. Is that like that sort of power? Sort of cur- like just it's getting out of hand, bro. Like it's about one. Like ah oh, man, they gotta. Yeah, no, they need to do a stat crunch. They need to do a stat crunch. They 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 absolutely need to do one. Yeah, it's it's getting out of hand. Uh, so yeah, the, the the loot thing is like my biggest question was that like I know I know people have been talking about this like the sunsetting has as you mentioned the the exotics are still there but there's so much so many weapons are, have been sunset like what does that what does this mean going for the, the uh, like I think this affects older players who have been playing since the beginning more than new players obviously that who have had investment and have these weapons etc cetera, etc cetera. like well, how do you see this like what is the plan for weapons going forward like are they gonna like 
how, like, how, do they have a plan for exotics? Do they have a plan to make new exotics? Do they have a plan for? Yeah, they have a plan for new exotics. They they have a transmog system coming later in the year. Okay, right? so okay, so basically so they're okay, gonna they're okay. gonna bring a transmog system in where you can change the appearance of a current gun to be the old gun if you like that appearance, right? So they do have an armor too. I should say this is not just weapons; it's also armor that has been sunsetted as well. But the transmog system will apply to both. That's good because I feel like that's the thing people want, right? People, I mean, I mean, people want the gun to look like the gun they want. They like looking at right like the, the cosmetics are a big deal in mmos obviously right like mmos are huge on cosmetics and like destiny has always been weak on the cosmetic front i feel like good than other mmos right because it didn't have a transmog system right uh and it didn't have like like if there was a time when destiny didn't even have like the fusing thing right like we could upgrade weapons across like levels right there was a, there was a time but like I'm glad that they're going to get a transmog system because that actually makes things much more interesting for sure. Like I'm, I'm curious how the, how they're going to design that system for armor and for guns, actually. That'd be. Yeah. Basically said like you can, you know, pick one that, and the nice thing is is you don't have to own the gun. It's something you've collected before. Right. So the game runs, it keeps a running tally. So if you're an old player and say you've destroyed the gun because you don't need it anymore. If you've, if you've collected it, right. If it's dropped for you, then you can transmog it. It's collection-based, right? So as long as the game recognizes that you have earned it in some activity, you would be able to transmog it. You don't have to currently have a copy of it. Cool. That's 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 nice. That's uh, that's going to be good. Yeah. So it does reward older players, right? Because some people probably don't have weapons from the first expansion, right? You know, But you might like the look of one, and you earned it when you were playing it. You just don't have it anymore. Well, you could still go ahead and, and transmog it. So... So, from a story perspective, how are you feeling? Like, uh, what's the story feel like? Is is it is it decent? Is it more Destiny? Is it just like Destiny bullshit? Or like, <laughs> so there's two aspects of this, right? Because I, you have the season of the hunt that's going on right now, and you have Beyond Light. Those are two separate purchases, right? Beyond Light does not come with it unless you're me and you buy the deluxe edition, right? It does not come with seasons, and so we w- I have to split this up. So let's, I'll talk about Beyond Light first, and then we'll go into the, the season. So with Beyond Light, I think the main story they did, it's it, it's it's the, the, the way they do storytelling now is that there's a main campaign, main story missions, and then it bleeds out into other side quests that fill up the rest of the narrative, right? So it isn't it isn't more of like with traditional Destiny expansions that have been like one main campaign and nothing else. It's broken up a little bit. So it is a little bit of a shorter main campaign, but they fill it up in the back end with other quests that go into different characters, right? And what I mean by that is the main quest is the Fallen. So it's Varix and it's Aramis and it's there and it's sort of their conflict. And I think that's told well. They even see the nice thing they actually do is that they have multiple cutscenes going into the Fallen backstory and why the Fallen the way they are, right? So there's actually, these are lore books. They've already been in the game as lore books, but they animated them a couple for a couple of times in the campaign, right? They're retold through characters in the campaign. So for me, who I've read them, I know this, but I think for newer players who don't know why these characters have their motivations, right? It shows you like an animated cutscene saying, hey, like for the Fallen example, the Fallen used to have the Traveler, right? They used to be like Guardians before the Traveler came to our solar system. That's in a lore book. So, but they actually have a three-minute cutscene explaining that and explaining why the Fallen the way they are. And explaining why, you know, setting up this campaign. So I think that's, that's even though it's maybe a little redundant for players like me, I think for newer players that don't know what who these characters are, it's a great way of handling it. And like, and, and with regards to that, man, I think it wraps up nicely. It's sort of, it's more self-contained in a regular Destiny storyline, but I think that's fine. I think that being self-contained is fine because the other side quests and the other quests afterwards go more into the lore. Like, for example, 
Once you beat the main campaign, you now can start working on the Exo Stranger campaign or quest, right? And that's basically like going in with like her, the Exo Stranger's sisters, and a and a Bray, right? It goes into their relationship. There's like a whole quest where you help them out and you do stuff with that. There's another weapon quest where um you basically get this exotic gun, and it's like one of my favorite story uh, missions because basically the the line is the Drifter's voice actor was booked and couldn't like make it into the studio because of COVID reasons. So they just paid the they paid Nolan North to impersonate the Drifter. So the entire quest is your ghost. Your entire quest is Nolan North pretending to be the Drifter. So like it's very funny and it's like a very cheeky moment. And there's another one where he's, they had the raid right. So once the raid was beaten, the Europa chains. You know they always do that where the beating the raid unlocks more content for the story. And so there's certain quests. There's like one that goes into the guy who made the exos right. And you like get lore from that. You get you get so much like bits and side story that that push the main narrative forward in these other quests afterwards. I think it's a good split. I think they did it. They 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 budgeted their time smartly. However, though, however, I think once we get into season of the hunt, I I think if we take just Beyond Light by itself, you sort of run into. I don't know if it was worth forty bucks. If we had that plus the season, I feel like it would have been worth it because even you have all that content right, but that's it. Right, there's nothing else. It's just that, what, and then anything else is in the season. Well, that's a ten dollar purchase, right? You, you don't get it with Beyond Light, so I can't consider it as a part of the expansion. Because the season is where you get the actual stuff you want to log in each week for, right? Beyond Light, that's just those quests, and, and you're done. But the season is why you keep coming back. And this season is that the it's basically it reintroduces the crow who is who is Aldrin, who you killed in Forsaken, right? He comes back as a guardian and now like going through his storyline is a current season and you're just basically working with him and doing things in the Dreaming City and the um and and the uh what's it called? The the Tangled Shore. And so and basically it's like the progression system for this season is there is these enemies that some hive god has been releasing into the world, so you have to go like on a hunt for them. That's why it's called season of the hunt. But instead of having like a bs like mission mode right like the war mine thing where you threw orbs at a at a spear you basically just track down these enemies by charging lures right and it, i actually think it's a better way of doing it because the way you progress right the way you get these charges is by playing the game the way you see so basically you charge up a lore by playing vanguard strikes playing crucible clipping bounties right playing gambit so you play the main story quest or sorry the main um game modes and then you go ahead and you charge one up and you get a mission where you track down xy enemy and you can also customize what loot drops you get from it right you can like infuse the lore with like x piece or y mod right that would ensure you get like an armor that's geared towards this a weapon that has this perk on it right so you can sort of control the drops you get from it and that's basically right now the the main loop i imagine they're probably going to do some more stuff right because they don't introduce everything at once with seasons they usually end up rolling it out over the weeks right so there's probably more story other things going on with it and I, I think they've done a pretty good job at that. Like, I think that seasonal loop is way better because the other ones used to be self-contained, right? It'd be like playing the main game modes did not get you anything for the season. It didn't let you any progression. So this time, right, they've rolled into playing the main game modes, which is what you'd want to do, right? So I think so far the season's good. And and I think I think just right now, sort of the state of the game, it is a great time to hop into it because like I said, a lot of these lore bits, they're explained to you if you're a new player. Like I've seen the, the like the so the fact that you killed the guy who came who came back as the crow and he doesn't realize you killed him because he lost his memory when he became a guardian right that's explained to you if you're not a player who's played Forsaken if you're not played Forsaken basically when you meet him your ghost is like hey 
he's this guy died and came back as a ghost he doesn't know that though and someone killed him like when another guardian killed him because he never played forsaken right so you're not the one who did and it's just like yeah so like just don't mention that to him <laughs> uh that's uh, i mean uh, the price aside i feel like it's okay i guess like it's uh, uh i mean it's more destiny but done right and I think, too, we should talk about the um, labor practices real quick, because I think it's important to mention the games today. Um, this this game is made with no crunch, as far as I'm aware. Bungie does not have crunch at their studio. Um, so important to, to note, um, because I know what we're going to talk about later is the exact opposite of that. Um, but as well, Bungie is a studio, at least their hiring practices. I know they have a bunch of trans people and, and, and black folks and queer people of color on their dev teams and art teams. Um, doesn't they don't really have any visible like people in leadership though of of color or who are queer so there's a there's a bit of a hit on that but at the very least bungie as a game studio is mildly unproblematic at least in terms of the labor practices from what i've seen mildly for the for the video game industry relatively yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah destiny 2 beyond light um I, I think one thing we should mention is there's a new class or new not class but uh oh wow we didn't even talk about the yeah, yeah, yeah i was, yeah, I was gonna stasis. like I, yeah, stasis so what what's what's going on with stasis like uh what, what's broken as fuck in the crucible bro uh, uh, i said you a game clip didn't i so I like think, basically yeah, yeah here's the thing stasis is like an ice-based class where you can freeze people which is great in pve right when you're fighting regular enemies because you freeze them pop off some shots right you know get some sick plays but think about this at crucible you can freeze other players with your grenades and melee uh, and crucible in the PvP mode. And you might think to yourself, that sounds kind of broken. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you basically have to, like, you would tap basically melee if you're on your keyboard or be on a controller. Yeah, that I, that just reminds me of, like, the Overwatch character that freezes people. And that's, um, I, I am not, I'm not a huge fan of that. That, that doesn't sound fun. Because it takes away agency from, like, the other player, right? Like, are you basically just spamming a button hoping you can break out of it before they just, they kill you? It's not. Not great. It's fun to play as. Super fun to play as, but not balanced at all in PvP right now. PvP is a bit of a mess. And as well, they've canceled trials for the for three times in a row because game-breaking bugs keep popping up with PvP. Super fun. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, they... they... The meme right now is that since Bungie deleted Mercury, they've, they've realized that they don't have a lighthouse right now, so they have to keep canceling trials before they put the lighthouse back in the game because the lighthouse is where you get your rewards at when you beat trials. <laughs> So, so that's, I mean, that's, they got to tweak, they got to fix that. I feel like they released this and they were like, oh shit, we forgot about Crucible. We forgot about Crucible, the, the, you know, there's, a, there's an entire game mode that we forgot about. Yeah, I mean, Stasis is the only reason I guess I would be interested in playing this game, just to check the check it out, to see the new powers or whatever, the new abilities. Yeah, I think for you, pick it up on sale later on, in a couple months, right? I'd pick it up on sale when it's, you know, if it's like 20 bucks on a Steam sale, I would say 20 bucks worth it. I just think that, I don't know, like Bungie doesn't, the problem when I talk about price too is that I realize that like Bungie doesn't do crunch right, and I'm comparing it to games that are absolutely made with crunch right. Like I don't think Actors and Blizzard is working the fuck out of their employees for WoW expansions, right? Like I probably for Square Enix too. I imagine Square Enix is also like a crunch heavy workplace. So like I don't know if it's fair to compare a game made with like 80 hour workdays or not workdays, but you know what I mean, like 120 hour work weeks, something like that, right? Where if a game that was only made under 40 hour work weeks, like maybe maybe because it's always a complaint with with Destiny is that. There's not enough content for what you get. But I guess, like, it's I can't tell if that's true or, no, 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 this is how much content you probably would get if things were made a little more ethically, right? 
Like I just I don't know where it falls in line with that. Yeah, yeah. Like if this is this is the actual is the actual output of people who work for, no, like a reasonable number of hours uh, a day. Like like yeah, that's uh, that's that's a thing. I, I guess it's it's hard to say because the game industry warps the expectations so much. So it's hard to say if that's actually the case or if there's something else going on. So so the, I mean. I'll check it out late. I mean, eventually, sometime, probably next year. At this point, um, sometime next year when when things are, uh, I guess, before. I mean, how long are seasons again now? Like, are they like three months? So the season ends in February, right? So okay, that's when it, cool, this current cool. season ends. I feel like maybe February would be a good time to get back into it, like with the new season start. Uh, yeah, because you could just like go. You know, you can just bang out all the seasonal content right beforehand, and then hop into the new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, the new raid takes you to space, which is super cool. Like you basically you go into a spaceship and you crash it into the planet, which is super cool. Oh, that's some Doom Eternal bullshit. That's cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I like it. So let's let's talk about another game uh, that's also filled with bullshit. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, let's talk about. Um, we've been both both been playing this one. This is um, Kingdom Hearts Valhalla. Kingdom Hearts Valhalla. <laughs> Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I might as well be called Kingdom Hearts Valhalla because there's some real Kingdom Hearts bullshit. So let's get started with this game. And from I, I like I, I guess I'm the Assassin's Creed subject matter expert, which I'm not really at this point because I've forgotten most of the lore because God knows this so much. Uh so Valhalla. Let's let me first put this out this way. Like I, I remember talking about this probably in on the podcast before. Bought this game before it came out, and I was not you. Interested. You did not like it. Yeah, I did yeah, not. Yeah. I did, I was not interested in playing this. Like I remember. I think we mentioned this on the podcast, but if you didn't, uh, if people don't remember, is that I I when I looked first look at the trailers for this game and the content and the stuff that they, the marketing that they put out in the beginning, I was like I'm not interested in this in this sort of uh, Norse mythology or the, the Viking stuff. I'm not interested in it at all. Like this, this is not appealing to me. I, I'm not getting into this. This looks a little bit dreary and boring. But turns out, <laughs> turns out uh, that was a well, that was a while back. And now when I now I got this game on uh, on on a PC or through uh, through Ubisoft Plus, which is the uh, Ubisoft subscription service, right? Where you get uh, where you get these games. Uh, like it's a Game Pass like for Ubisoft, basically. So you get Ubisoft games uh, on launch, etc. Yeah, yeah, Game Pass for abusers. Jesus. Um, so I was, I started by Valhalla, and I was like, the first in the in the beginning, I was like, mm, it's it seems okay, like the Norway stuff seems interesting, and then and I think then the game gets much better after you leave Norway. Like once you get to the England bit of the game, uh, it's not it's not too far into it. Like I think it's like an hour, or a couple hours. Maybe uh, of, of like Norway, and then you go into uh, England, where it gets like much. The game gets much more interesting, and the stories get much more interesting. So I want to ask you something before I get like get to like the story stuff. I want to talk about the mechanics a little bit. I want to get into how the combat feels. I, in my opinion, the combat feels a little janky sometimes, and the timings don't feel right. I think Matthew Galt's uh no not Matthew Gold on 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 Waypoint Radio Rob was talking about how it, it, it feels a little like off and imprecise what did you think of a combat like how do you feel about the weapons like how do you feel about the abilities like what what did you think uh of, of the combat in order for me to give this answer i have to give two pieces performance of this game impacts it because this game has a bad screen so i guess to explain i bought it on xbox 
it has a bad screen tearing problem. I refunded it and picked it up on Stadia where that does not exist. But Microsoft never like re like nulled my license, so I can still technically play it on Xbox. Microsoft, please don't ban my account. <laughs> so I've been actually hopping back and forth between them. And so on Xbox, it has a very bad screen tearing problem, which means that combat feels off because the tearing happens in the middle. So like when I'm trying to time attacks, there have been times where the where there's tearing in the frame, so it makes it harder for me to like you know, realize what animation I'm in, right? And judge when I should tap the next button. And of course, with Stadia, even though it's been fine for me on Stadia, it's also like, there's still a little bit of input latency, right? So, you know, you still have that to worry about there. And so I feel like on Xbox, the combat, it's I have to sometimes bump the game difficulty down because during some of the boss fights, it gets very effect heavy, right? Which is fine because it's pretty boss fights, but that means the tearing, it starts tearing like fucking wild. And so on Stadia, I can normally do them at regular difficulty because once you, once you like, catch yourself for the for the latency right if it's 20 milliseconds whichever right you can normally like recalibrate your hand to be tapping them at the right point right you you can get around that but i feel like since the invariability of the torn frames just makes it harder for me to guess on xbox so i would say that i i know i've also been playing with a heavy weapon two-handed weapon this entire time which in um odyssey i only played with a sword with like a quick sword so i run into the problem where i think that it the game isn't good at telling you like when you can time your attacks because it runs into stamina, right? But sometimes some attacks take more than less stamina, and it doesn't like indicate to you. It's not consistent how much stamina you're going to be using. It, it that's this is I was gonna get into this is the stamina system, right? So this game has a stamina system, and things affect the so multiple things affect, affect you affect your stamina. So one of them things is is weight, right? Is the weight of the gear that you have on you affects your stamina, right? And also stamina things like blocking with your shield, uh, like you. you like basically, you, you, when you block with your shield, it costs stamina. Or when you when you dodge, it costs stamina, right? So you have to watch out when you're in the middle of a middle of a fight. You have to watch out for uh, like the like you're not dodging, like you don't you don't run out of stamina to dodge uh, like attacks that you need to be dodged. So there are two kind of attacks that enemies do. They're, they're, they have their normal attacks and their abilities, and they also have these uh, attacks that are signaled with uh, with the red rune, which means the, those attacks cannot be parried. Those attacks have to be dodged. Uh, and like if you run out of uh, like stamina, and then you 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 you'll hit the dodge button, but you won't be able to dodge the attack, etc. So stuff like that. So the stamina system, and that in my that brings me to my point, which is that. The stamina system feels a little tacked on. I feel like it feels like the it, the game doesn't, as you mentioned, communicate enough about how the stamina system works or how how to better manage your stamina or how to like really like how does the weight stuff really affect your stamina? Like I don't know if the game really gets into that. Like I don't. I, maybe there's a stat screen that like tells you like if you do this and this then your stamina will be like this but i don't, i don't know I, like i haven't seen anything that tells you like how how much stamina you have versus what your weapon weight is it's like some sort of breakdown on on your stamina levels and i, I as far as i know the only way to like basically increase stamina you like efficiency is reducing weapon weight right um like you just like there are runes that will reduce the weapon weight and also obviously you can use lighter weapons right you can use like daggers, you can use uh, light shields instead of heavy shields, right? Stuff like that. But but yeah, the combat, this feels like I'm playing on PC with the with the Xbox One controller, um, and I I it's one of those things I noticed because before this I played a game that was heavy on parrying, which was 
uh, Ghost of Tsushima, right? Ghost of Tsushima is heavy. Actually, about parrying, I do want to interrupt to say, is it is it just me or is parrying fucking difficult? This is way harder to parry in this game than Odyssey. It's no, 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 no. It is. I'm, I was gonna get. I was gonna get to it. Is that I, there's I I swear to God, sometimes I feel like the parry thing just doesn't trigger or doesn't work. Like because so there's a problem too. So I don't know if you, you don't play the game with a heavy axe, right? So I play with a two handed axe. If you hold down the button to parry, it does a spin attack. So there are times when I try to parry and it does a spin attack. Right, you you does a spin attack instead. So I have, I'm using a heavy axe as well right now. Like I got a heavy uh, weapon, uh, heavy axe as part of a quest uh, ending. So like I have, I'm using that, and like parry, I have a heavy shield build. I have a heavy like a uh, Saxon shield build and uh, and a heavy axe. So very heavy build basically, like a, basically a lot of damage resistance and uh, like heavy uh, heavy attack based uh, like DPS based like. It's slow, but it's it does a lot of damage, sort of build, you know. Like so, which may, like which is like my shield is a heavy shield, so it takes some time to parry, and I can I can almost never get the timing right. Like I've been playing with this exact shield basically for like most of the game, and at this point, I'm still like missing parry timings because it feels like I'm hitting the button or and the game I'm getting the timing wrong, or the timing is like. Maybe I'm misunderstanding what the timing is when the attack comes in. Like, is it just before the attack hits, or is it like, like I like the game doesn't communicate. Another problem here: yeah, this is the game doesn't communicate like when you can parry. In in Ghost of Tsushima, it's extremely clear when you can parry. It's like when you see the silver glint or the blue glint in 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 Ghost of Tsushima, you know that's an attack coming in that you can parry. Uh, and, and in Ghost of Shima, wasn't that how it was in Odyssey too? Didn't you have a have like a thing in Odyssey where you could parry, or do I not remember that correctly? I don't think there was parries in Odyssey, but I it's been a while since I played Odyssey. I don't remember uh, parrying in that game, to be honest. Uh, it feels like parrying was added to this game, and it wasn't like a very good addition. Like it, it feels like sort of a, as, as a, sort of like the stamina system is always like sort of tacked on, uh, like a system that's just there, and it like in. Most of my fights, I don't parry anymore. You know why? Because it just doesn't feel good to parry. Like, it doesn't feel like... I, I know this sounds, like, vague but or whatever, but it, the game feel is bad on the parry. Like, when you parry in Ghost of Tsushima, it feels really fucking good. When you when, you, when you, the enemy comes in for an attack and you do a cool parry, it re, it feels good to do. But in this game, whenever, like, I act, like most of the time, I feel like I'm parrying on accident instead of intentionally. Because most of the time, I'm just, I just dodge. Like I don't even, which which is bad for your stamina, but it's easier. Like it's it's more effective because like it's easier than pairing because pairing feels so like it, it feels like you're rolling a dice if you're gonna be able to parry or not, right? With especially with the heavy shield, maybe it's easier with the lighter shields, but like with the heavy shield, it feels like you're slower and it feels like the timing is a little bit off all the time, and so it's easier to just dodge and use my abilities instead, like. I, I just do that. I just endlessly use my, I just spam abilities like I did not in Odyssey, basically, right? Which brings me to the, I guess, abilities, right? So how do you feel about the abilities? Like, what, do you like any of them? Like, is there like any ones that you feel like uh, are kind of OP or like kind of like broken or like they do, you, like, there are a lot of them, a lot of abilities, a good variety of them, I feel like, but uh, different play styles are like in, in the abilities, like some of the more stealth based. There's the ranged abilities and there's obviously melee abilities, right? So how, what do you what do you? So I I took your advice and I started doing poison abilities and that made the game so much better. 
<laughs> it didn't it didn't didn't make it easy, right? Right, 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 right. So so there are two things. If you're playing this game, you're having a hard time with the combat. I have a recommendation, I guess. Is that uh, I mean, you could turn down. I uh, recommend turning down the combat difficulty to easy. I mean, uh, that, that's uh, that's uh, that's that's one. And the second thing is you you should uh, spec. Uh, if you should get the abilities that give you poison or fire uh, or both, or you like can you get, get both. Yeah, you get a you weapon. Get like my heavy axe could set people on fire and poison them, which is clutch. It's clutch. Like if you get the abilities, so equip both of those. Like you, you, so, once you unlock like a poison, once you unlock the poison ability, unlocks both melee and the ranged poison abilities. So, so you can use both. So you can you can fire arrows with poison on them, and you can also like when you once you get the poison, you, like it. It puts it on your weapon, and it, you, you do damage. Like, you, you know, like when you hit enemies with it, they take poison damage, uh, and it, it, it like stacks. Like it, it like it like it fills up, and then it, it does damage to them, right? And it is extremely effective, especially if you combine both poison and fire effect abilities, and the, the both both do damage over time. So you just whittle enemies. Like even bosses melts to this. And this is I'm playing at the normal difficulty for combat, and that enemies just fucking melt. Just even like enemies that are like really strong and have like a lot of abilities in defense, like they can't defend against it. Enemies cannot. There's no way for enemies to protect themselves against uh, poison or fire damage. So so they just like they just take a lot of fucking damage. So if you can stack both, that's my advice to you. If you stack both, you, you can just melt. Uh, it, games, it makes the game a little bit easier, for sure, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, like I'm enjoying the abilities. The abilities make the game a little bit more fun. There are some abilities like, uh, uh, which one was that? There's a, uh, um, I'm trying to remember which ability. I don't think it's an ability. It's part of the skill tree. Okay, so let's talk about the skill tree then. Like if you're talking about abilities, let's talk about the skill tree. So there's the ability system. There's also a skill tree which has a separate set of like abilities that you can unlock that are like part of the skill set, right? Yeah, and I think the best way to explain how the skill tree works for if anyone here has played Final Fantasy X, it is a very similar system to the Spira, Spirit Orb thing, whatever it was called for Final Fantasy X. Also, a little bit like how Skyrim had those um, like star paths you can go on, similar to that, but it adds more in the line of Final Fantasy X, I would say. It, it's 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 like Skyrim. It's it's it's. Yeah, it's it's like Skyrim mixed with Final Fantasy, um, so it's like a basically like a tr- basically a tree of a branching tree of so you have red for melee based abilities, uh, melee based upgrades, so usually melee damage or heavy melee damage, etc. And there's yellow, which is for ranged, I believe, and blue, which is for stealth. Uh, so you can spec into. And the good thing about this game, I'll give this game credit, you can respec at uh, your points at any time. With no cost. Odyssey had a cost. Odyssey kept increasing, yeah. Odyssey had a cost. This game has, you can do it anytime. You can even respec one point. Like, if you, you, you think, like, okay, you got some skill points and you got, like, four skill points. You're like, you, you, you put it into a into a tree and then you look around the tree and you're like, oh, shit, I should have put it into into this because I'd rather be uh, using these abilities or, like, I want to boost this. Like, I want to boost my damage or I boost, want to get this adrenaline bar. Uh uh, you, you can do that anytime. You can just unspec, uh, like you can just remove the skill tree, the, the, remove the skill points from whichever ability you just specced into, and then you put it back into the whichever ones you want to put it into, right? which is extremely, extremely good. Like the game really encourages you to like sort of mess around with the skill tree for sure. Um, I would recommend another recommendation is you put points into. Um, usually it's in I mean, it's in the red zone, but also in the blue and yellow zones for the adrenaline bars. 
the adrenaline bars are what like each like every time you use an ability in this game, it's an adrenaline bar uh, use. Like it's it's a, so the more you have, the more the more you can use your fire and poison abilities. So I would recommend putting upgrades into health and into uh, and into obviously uh, your into your uh, adrenaline bar. So that way, or you can be like me. And there's a button that lets you that the game will automatically pick random choices, which is how I've been playing. Yeah, which is I I I'm, I I I didn't even register that at first. Like I saw it, like it's in the middle of the screen, but I was like, eh, I didn't even read it at closely enough to see what it actually was. So I didn't figure it out until like 50 hours into the game that you can actually do that. I've been like manually specking into it, which is fine. I mean, I mean, the game lets you do that, so obviously, so it's, it's fine. Uh, I, I I don't mind manually specking. It lets me like pick which ones I want to focus on for sure. Uh, like it lets me like you know get especially because I'm a high sort of high heavy damage build. I I focus on like heavy heavy melee damage and like uh, like bear weapon. Like I have the berserker weapon set that I've been uh, berserker armor set that I've been using the entire game, which comes with the ultimate edition, which comes with the Ubisoft Plus thing, which I've been using the entire game. I haven't switched armor sets the entire game. Well, so I think I think about the auto spec one is I I haven't I haven't seen it confirmed, but I'm ninety percent certain it'll every time you respec and you pick the auto spec one, it goes off your armor set and weapons. That's what I think it's doing because I've done it before. Where like. Where I get like things tied for heavy weapons. Uh that might no no that might make sense. I mean, I like I it has to have some logic. Yeah, if if you have heavy weapons equipped, or if you are like uh like you have a berserk, like you have a specific armor set with with like some specific parks on it, or like the way they call it right, it's the way of the bear armor sets, right? The way of the whatever armor sets, right? That have different themes. Yes, yes, I'm I'm the way I'm aware. like the berserk armor set is way of the bear, so I've been like specking to the bear one. For sure, right? So if you if you want to do the Raven one, if you want to do the Wolf one, right? It depends on what what armor set you want to you want to play. What's your play style? So that's I mean the game has supports multiple play styles. Like it it can be done. And but I will say this: stealth in this game is even jankier than the combat. I it is if you go into this expecting Metal Gear Solid. Don't it is the detection so fucky right for when people see you? It's so fucky. Yeah, it's it's like they see you even though like they're like turned around like five miles away or whatever the fuck. I'm like, like how did you see me? Like you shouldn't be able to see me. It's nighttime. It's in the dark. And sometimes if you have your cloak on, they could still see you, even though that's supposed to give you a buff on stealth. Apparently, yeah. Like I, I just like the stealth system. They fixed a couple bugs. There was a patch recently, a big one where they fixed. Uh, they fixed the detection a little bit. It's still no, no. That they, I want to say they broke. So the pat, the bug they fixed specifically was. So this is how I was playing the game. If you were, in, if you crouched and were in stealth mode and you shot someone with a bow, if you, even even if they were in a group of enemies, no one else would notice. Let me tell you, that shit came in clutch for clearing out castles. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That sounds like you could just clear out an entire base of just by hiding in the bush. Like that's yeah, yeah. They fixed some of those bugs and like I. Yeah, the stealth system just, I, I mean, to be fair to, uh, like, I'm not good at stealth in any game, but in this game, it sometimes it feels the game is working against me when I'm trying to, like, actually, like, do something. Like, this one time, I was, okay, so I was in this base, you know, I was doing the stealth thing. I was like, sure, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll try this. There's some, I can see the pathways through this base that can let you do the stealth. And I can see, like, I'll kill the guards at the outer perimeter and then go in, into the inner base and stuff like that, you know, the typical sort of stealth mission stuff. And, like, and I, what happened was I was, I was like getting all this. I was trying to climb up to something and I got stuck on this piece of 
terrain or the geometry. And because the enemy turned around at the exact same time and saw me, and it detected, it triggered the entire base, right? Obviously, right? Like it triggered the alert for the entire base. Like every enemy in the base now I have to fight the entire fucking base. I have to kill everybody. <laughs> like it's, it's just like the, 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 it. I mean, in my my in my like case, I I prefer to not play stealth. I just play like a Viking, as as I, I think Ivor would play. Like, or Ivor would live, you know? Like, I try to be, like, more... I'm trying to roleplay as Ivor, not... I'm not, like, I'm not making Ivor like me. I'm, I'm making, trying to make Ivor more, like, I think Ivor would, like, be do what what Ivor would do in a situation like this, right? Like I think she would just fucking throw an axe at somebody and scream and be like, "Come at me, bro!" Right? Right? Like that's what Ivor would do. No, no, none of this sneaking around bullshit, right? Uh, just just throw a fucking axe at these enemies. That's fine. Um, so that's what I've been playing most of. Like, my mostly, I, I if I if I try to sell a little bit and then it fails, and I'm like, "All right, fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna pop out the fire, pop out the uh, poison. Let's let's go." I would say bow combat though. I don't know if you've done range. It's fucky. I feel like I had a better time doing bow combat in Odyssey than I do in this game. You know, no, 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 absolutely. Odyssey had a better bow system, and it feels the aiming system feels a little jank, right? I I don't know if it's like the auto aim assist or whatever. It's a little weird. I've actually had to turn it up all the way to high just because I feel like it's too slippery of an aiming system, right? When you're trying to aim at the controller. Oh, yeah, that might be it. That might be that. Might, that might be why I'm missing so many like arrow shots. It's like it's a little little slippery with the auto aim, right? And and I and I keep missing shots, and and I feel like I hit people, but I miss them. And then also like sometimes the bow just feels weird to use in the middle of combat for sure. There are some abilities that will help you though. There's an ability, the uh, ranged ability that lets you like fire off a bu- like a bunch of arrows at once, which does a lot of damage, which is really good in, in the middle of combat, obviously. Um, but yeah, like it's the bow, especially the predator bows, like feel really awkward, just extremely awkward to use. Like the way you scope in on them, like it's just bro, what? Like it just feels jank. Like it's just not not great. Also, you know what's fun? You know what's fun, by the way. I've run into a bug where when you have a ranged weapon and I'm in stealth mode, if I just use an, if I turn on the ability, right? Because in theory, the ability ability for a bow, like a ranged ability, isn't used to shoot the arrow, right? But I've had times, right? So I like hold down, aim down my sight, pull them, press the A, B, whichever button, right? To hold down the ability. And every single guard is now aware of me in the bushes. And I now have to, and it goes into a fight scene. I can, I don't know if that's how it's supposed to work because it is, I didn't shoot the bow, right? So I just turned on the ability, and then all of a sudden, apparently, they're all alarmed to me, even though I'm like hiding in the bushes. Like it's, it, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. That, there's, there's definitely a lot of jank, and uh, I mean, this. I guess that we should talk about that. Is that this game is hot? Like it's coming in hot. Like from a bug standpoint, it feels like it's in early access, bro. Like there are so many bugs, right? Uh, I have a bug that's persistent. Like I have a bug. There is a certain story quest. I don't want to say the name, maybe, maybe, or like, there's a certain character that you have to do a quest with. The quest is just bugged out. I can't finish it because it, it, it triggers this loop. Uh, she, and the person, the other person keeps getting stuck in the loop. Uh, and it, she it, won't it get never, on the horse. She won't get on my horse, bro. It's, it's sad. It's actually kind of sad of a bug, but like, yes. Uh, but like, yeah, like, it's the the quest is broken. Like it's a side quest that I actually wanted to do. Like I I wanted to progress on it, uh, but I can't because it's broken. So so just like, without any spoilers, right? This is a side quest that is actually like core to the narrative of the story, right? 
It is not like a BS random side quest. It is like one that actually makes matters for like the end of the game. Yeah, which I hope, like, I don't know, like, if I can, if I'll try, I'll try doing it again. If it's broken, it's broken. Like, I don't know what to do, but like. Load it up on Stadia and see if you're stable. Go on Stadia. Oh, oh my God. But yeah, it's like there, this game's like, if you check this out, straight subreddit, people are like a lot of save bugs, right? People are losing saves or there's safe data corruption or there is, uh, Sometimes I, I've heard people on like PS4, I believe, like like this autosave system just stops working and they can't save anymore, which is uh, which is bad, which is very bad. That's 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 a very bad bug. Some of the bugs I've had too are that um, it has made my Xbox shut off once or twice, <laughs> like like straight up just hard shut down on the system, which is fun. Um, another bug I've had is obviously performance on so. The the funniest thing is that the Stadia version is the most stable port right now. Has no screen tearing rate, no frame drop issues. Even though it's at 30 on the Xbox, PS4, PS5, Series X, Xbox consoles, right? Even if you're running in 30 frames per second mode or 60 FPS mode, it still is not stable there and still is tearing on all those platforms. There's been no loading bugs on Stadia. There's been no save bugs. So surprisingly, the Stadia port is the best port, which kind of makes me think. Maybe that was the one they used internal right to build for. That's and what then I'm like thinking. did that's other builds for the other ones. Because obviously thinking. they that's they work from home making part of this game, right? Right, right, right. So and that's what I'm like. I the PC version. Um, I should mention from a performance perspective. I'm on a, a i7 870k or whatever the fuck it is called. I forget my processor every time. But and I have a RTX 2080 Ti. Um, and I and. The game is I'm playing with on 1440p on high with the dynamic setting turned on, which is which is obviously with a target set of 60 frames per second. Um, and in the in the benchmark, I'll, I'll mention this specifically. In the benchmark, the game is extremely GPU bound, uh, which um, which is strange. I wasn't expecting this game to be GPU bound. If anything, I was expecting this game to be CPU bound. Because normally Assassin's Creed games, right, are super CPU bound, right? They are C- CPU bound for me. Like the last time I, I mean, this PC was built specifically because Odyssey was not running well for me because Odyssey was being CPU bound at that point because I had like a, like a weaker i5 processor back then. Um, and it was, it was being CPU bound now, but now I'm like the CPU usage is at, like averaging around, 50% on all cores, right? It is, it is using all my cores at averaging about 50%, but the GPU is a, so again, like 97% utilization. Uh, in the benchmark, in, I don't know what, what it's like in the, uh, in the actual game. In the game, for the most part, anecdotally speaking, I'm like, I'm not staring at the frame rate counter. I don't have graphs turned on. I don't know. I'm not looking at the, on the in-game start counter for the, for the performance, but it it feels it's mostly at a, a stable sixty frames per second with the dynamic mode and uh, the preset set to high. Uh, so so it is keeping sixty most of the time. It does I see occasional drops when usually when things are loading in uh, or like you go into a new area sometimes or maybe there's a cutscene uh, that kind of causes a little bit of a uh, like a drop in frame rate. But other than that, like it's been fine. But new problem with this latest patch. Bro, it's very annoying. It randomly crashes to desktop in the middle of like anything. Like it doesn't matter what it is. You could be you could be in the middle of a quest. You'd be running around in the world. Like I, it'll just crash desktop. There's no there's no pattern to it. It just happens randomly. 
and I, which is extremely annoying. At least this game autosaves fairly often. So it's not like too bad, but I remember I had to actually restart one quest because it didn't autosave in the middle, like in the middle of the quest and I had to start a quest from the beginning. Um, so that was, uh, so that's, that's, that's a new thing that's been happening with this, uh, this latest patch on PC. So if you are going to play this on PC, just, you know, be aware that it is still quite buggy. And if you don't, like, if you, if you want to, if you can hold off on this, just like hold off a few months. Just just hold off. Or or what I mean too. I mean this seriously this time. Like <laughs> Stadia. <laughs> the Stadia version is the most stable. I've played many hours on the Stadia version. It genuinely I have no issues with that port. So like even obviously, yes, input latency, blah blah blah. Yes. But caveat aside, right? That aside, if you like want a version of this game that isn't super buggy and super like not stable, the Stadia version. Because once again, like I said, I think because I know Destiny 2 is now primarily developed on stadia just because everyone's like doesn't have build servers right in their home for assets and that so i know a lot of games are either like geforce now or stadia are being used for like their their dev cycles right so it's just it's 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 a fun time but i think actually next before we talk about story i want to talk about accessibility stuff real quick because i've been playing the game of all the accessibility options on like for example descriptive captions um their subtitle options giving you like the boops and bops if you can't go further for the fact of that I, I this is a podcast game, right? So I'm not always listening to the to the audio, right? So I've actually been playing a lot with just the the um written cues on screen. And I actually think it's honestly, I think I'm gonna like I think every Ubisoft game I if I play like another one, I will be playing with these options because I think it makes it That's the, that's interesting idea. That's that's a good that's Because a... it'll tell you like directionally where things are coming from, right? It's so, like for example, if someone's shooting an arrow, it'll say arrow and have an arrow pointing to where what part, you know, behind you in front of you it's coming from, ditto for fire, other sounds. I got I actually gotta turn I gotta turn that on because sometimes I don't realize where arrows are coming from. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. It'll like tell you it'll tell you exactly where things are coming from. If you walk up against a wall, if you if you go to like an invisible wall, it gives you a boop sound. There's a whole bunch of different accessibility options that I actually am very much here for. I I think like it may it may hurt your uh, immersion in the game, but it, I don't fucking care. It makes it a far more enjoyable experience. No, no, no. I mean it's a, yeah yeah. That, I, I'm curious. I'm, I'm really want to turn on the the special specifically the bow thing because like the arrow thing rather. It's like yeah, it's like something descriptive subtitles. Like I'll tell you later when I pull up the game later. I just can't remember the exact name of it. Yeah, descriptive subtitles sounds. I I do have subtitles turned on for everything else. Obviously, I always I all yeah. But there's like there's two options, right? Yeah, there's like speaking ones and there's the other ones. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So I got to turn on the descriptive one. Okay, sure. Okay, because I always play games with subtitles on, anyways, just because sometimes. I find it easier to read subtitles than to actually hear the dialogue. I know it sounds weird, but yeah, it's easier for me to follow subtitles than it is for me to actually listen to the dialogue. Sometimes I don't know it's just it's just me, but uh, but yeah, I I play with subtitles on with on every game. So I, that's one of the like at least this game when you start up the game, right? It asks you. Uh, I I don't know if it happens on consoles as well, but like yeah, it happens on consoles. Ask you, it brings up an accessibility menu when you first start up the game. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. It, it set, I mean, it does the usual brightness thing, right? It it lets you set the uh, accessibility options like the subtitles and the I think maybe sound aim assist, as well. Aim assist, aim assist as well, game yeah, difficulty, all of that. Yeah, yeah it, it lets you set all those when you start the game, so you know you're not like stuck with the launch cutscene or whatever with without subtitles or whatever. So that's good. Although I would say the map, fuck the map. This map is a is not. It's hard to read. 
Like, so the, this, the game has an option where you can play it where basically instead of putting waypoints on your screen, it'll say, hey, it's in this part of the map is where you'll find it. And you'll yeah. go explore Explo- there. It's called ex- which exploration is, mode. Which yeah, yeah. I didn't do in Odyssey. I gave it a chance in this one and I had to turn it off, not because the exploration wasn't fun or anything, but because I can't read the map. Like, I, I had problems reading the map to figure out where I was at. Yeah, the map is... I, I have trouble with the map as well. It feels a little... Everything's a little too small on the map, and it's hard to read. Things. Not enough contrast, right? Like, uh, it has it uses a ye old English font, which really doesn't work well. It doesn't work for readability at all. Um, And yeah, I, I get that they're trying to, you know, have the hashtag immersion going on, but like, bro, you gotta, you gotta make some sacrifices for accessibility. Uh, I feel like you gotta at least provide people an option to change something on that or make the, make it bigger or more clear or make it bolder, like make it easier to read. Uh, like it feels the contrast should be improved on that for sure. I hope they, I hope they do it, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, the map is not great. I'm, I'm simply in exploration mode. It's, it's not a big deal. Uh, but I, I, I uh, but I, it's, 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 uh, it's not great to be using that. I, I, I try not to use the map as much as possible. <laughs> let's get into the story, I guess. Then let's let's get into the most, I guess, the the most the the Kingdom Hearts part uh, of this of this <laughs> fucking fun, fucking Assassin's Creed game is is the story. So I'll start with a question: Is how what do you, how do you feel about Eivor as a character? Like uh, as a protagonist, I guess, as like as the main character of this of this video game. Like, uh, like, like, which Eivor did you pick? By the way, like, there's obviously the two options, right? Well, there's three options for changing the gender. Um, I should say two before we actually talk about the characters. You might players, people listening might be thinking, you know, the change options broken. It's only when you sip a potion, which you'll know what I mean if you play the game, is when it actually switches the gender of your character. It won't do it any other time in the main story. Normally, I think defaults the, to female Eivor and keeps it that way. So yeah, I played as um, as as uh, female Eivor, and I think her as a character, you know, I, I mean, it's just hard to relate to white people in general. So like, I actually don't like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I think she's a good character, but I don't know anything about like, I don't know white culture. So I don't know how well developed she is to, to be, to be true to Nord, Nord culture. I, now that I'm like, I'm like nearing the end of the game, right? Like now that I'm nearing the final arc of the game, um, like I, like Eivor, I think is one of my most, like, I think it's one of my f- most favorite Sass Queen protagonists since the, since Ezio back in the Ezio trilogy. Just seriously, I think she's one of the better ones. Um, and I, I say that because just her character and the way she talks and the, and the way she acts in the world with other characters, I just feel is extremely well done. Um, like I feel like it gives her a lot of character. You can sort of get a feel for what her character is like and you know, how Avar would act or say. And like the way she interacts with people in the world is very good and the way she like, you know, thinks about stuff and how she thinks about, for example, for example, what she thinks about like, it's like Jesus and like what she thinks about Christians and like all this stuff. Like there's, there's a lot of, there's, there's little bits of story building, like uh lore building like, that happens later in the story for sure about her opinions and stuff. Yeah. I found like, you never run into a case of Eivor, like in some games you're like, you look at the character and you're like, this, this decision is bullshit, right? Like, why the fuck are you doing this? Does it make sense? Yeah, no, no, but no, Eivor always, Eivor always like, sometimes Eivor like, like there's choices obviously the game lets you make uh choices and sometimes there are choices would feel like maybe my maybe Ava might do this or she might not like it's not completely always the choices are always like 
like every time a game puts up a choice and I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure which one to pick actually. Like, because sometimes the choices feel like each one of these could be actually Eivor's decision. Like Eivor could do any of these. Like Eivor seems like the person who might listen to uh, her fellow allies and follow their advice because she is she is like a wise leader, but also she might like be angry and uh, do her own thing because because she is uh, a, a big Viking uh, lady who likes to throw her axe around, right? Like she can do both. Like she, it depends on what like what she wants to do. Like it's just I feel like the way that char- character choices like uh, these choices have been, especially major story choices. I I think they're really like. Uh, I guess tied to the Viking, uh, the Norse mythology a lot, like the uh, like the sort of like the thing with the axe, right? Uh, the thing with when when a person dies, you 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 lay their axe on them, right? And you you like like that's you send them to Valhalla, right? As as the as the game's name suggests. Uh, so that is that is the thing. I like the sort of pagan stuff going on in this game. I like the the gods, like I'm, I'm always fan of the sort of the tie-in with with Norse mythologies and religion. Uh, like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy that Ubisoft finally decided to make the brave step of tackling white on white crime. You know, I really think that's a great, that's a great thing for them to do. But not to get political. Sorry, not to no politics in these games. Uh, oh my god, no, no politics in Ubisoft games. No, uh, but yes, I I do enjoy Eivor. I think she's one of my favorites uh, as of recent. Like I I, like, I really like Cassandra, but Cassandra was not as well fleshed out as Eivor was. I think you think you'd agree with that. Like I think Eivor is like she feels more of a real person than Cassandra does. Like, do you know what I'm trying to say? So I think Cassandra felt more on rails with regards to her character arc, right? It didn't feel like, like, I feel like it was more, not maybe on rails is poor phrasing, but maybe more, um, I, I guess, more stereotypical, right? And not really, like, well-developed as Eivor is. He's like, and also, this could just be that I literally don't know shit about Vikings and Nord culture, right? Like, I do not. I don't either. I know. I, I really don't either. And I just, like, from just from a purely just sort of, like, looking at the, both of the characters side by side and sort of, like, the way the characters develop and the dialogue, like, I feel like Ubisoft in this game, especially the writers, really focused on giving Eivor a lot of like just personal touches that like a person like her would have. She's not just a warrior, right? She she's she's a leader. She she has she she you know she has relationships with other people. She wants to uh, fuck, you know. She wants to um, she wants to drink, you know. She wants to have uh, have fun, you know. She's she's like a very like she feels more of a like a well rounded person than Cassandra did. Like Cassandra sort of felt like one way, like she had this one thing where she had she was obsessed with this one thing that's going on in her life she it didn't feel like cassandra had a life of her own where she you know cared about like it, it, i mean the dlc she did but in in the main story that i'm talking about like cassandra didn't feel like she was like like a person with other interests other than like just going going on killing people right like she had like she had cared about the people in her in her like i ever cares about all the people in her uh, little uh, in her clan, right? She she cares deeply. Like there's the whole scene where one of the characters, like uh, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a major scene that happens that she gets very emotional. Everybody's emotional about it. There's a lot of emotional moments with Avor, or even there's a smaller one too. Where in in the camp, right? Um, not spoiler, but it's um, 
one of the people who you can do character modifications with, right? Like the, he dies and, and his wife takes over. And it's like, it's a small scene, right? Where you just console her, right? And like, I feel like that's way more developed than anything in Odyssey. Yeah, that is absolutely like, I got to that scene. I was like, damn, like, like, she, like, like, and, like, Eivor's voice actress is also like really good. Uh, and she really puts in the emotion in the voice as well, I feel like. And, like that scene, I was like, "Damn, this is actually sad." It's making it's, it's actually making me cry a little bit. Like it's it's legit. There's the legit emotion in these scenes, and like it feels real. It, like the characters feel real, and because there's more, like you get to understand the characters more. Like as a like sort of their likes and dislikes, and like what they hate, what they what they're into, what they're not. Like you, you sort of get more emotionally invested, and I feel definitely more emotionally invested in this particular Assassin's Creed protagonist than I've done since the Ezio trilogy, which has been a while. Because it's smaller quests too, right? Because like, so there's one, this is not a spoiler, but there's one in your main clan where like you go back there, you know, at random time and you'll get a, a trigger where a kid's like, Hey, come and find us. And you like help them rescue this wolf. And the wolf just hangs out in your base now. Like, I don't know if you've done that quest yet. I've not done that. I should go do that, actually. Yeah, one of the kids just, like, tells you, to, hey, come with me to look at this house, Eivor. And, like, you have a little thing with the kids teaching him a lesson about not going around wolves. And then you just have a wolf that hangs out at your base. Oh, there's another world quest I found I encountered where you rescue a fox from a fire, and then his owner dies, and then you just take the fox back to your camp. And the fox is just there. And every time Eivor comes there, Eivor just says, hey, Dandy, how you doing? He just talks to the fox for a little bit. Like, it's a little thing. Doesn't do any... That's the thing. That's the thing. That's uh, that's the thing. Eivor just feels more like more well rounded out, and like she feels like a real person, you know, like like what like what what we could imagine like a actual Viking person would really. It's not just she's not just into raiding and like you know doing that shit, but she's she's also like you know like petting the dog at her a little in her encampment, right? Like she's talking to the people. She's like a she's a leader, you know. She has to make judgments. Did you do those judgment scenes? There's one of this like two of them actually. That I've, I've gotten the second one, but I don't know. I've only done one so far, and that's the one with the uh, with the horse. That's the only one I've done so far. Yeah, yeah. There's you know how you have to judge between like you have to hear both their stories, and you have to pass like uh, it's, it's it. I really like that. I it's sort of like like uh, she's just like very like she's very like formal about it. Like you know she's just like go, goes into judge mode. You know she's like both of you tell me your stories, then I'll make my uh, make my judgment. You know, and you know that's that's really cool. So you know, Avor is a more fleshed out, well characterized. Uh, character just in general uh, and i i've been enjoying her i'm pleasantly surprised that that you uh, like the writer has actually managed this because ubisoft games don't actually always manage to have a coherent characters because because so many people are involved in this game sometimes it feels yeah remember remember every ubisoft game did you have a gun <laughs> Did your neighbor? Yeah, um, fuck you. That thing is stuck in my head forever. Fuck you. I hate that it's stuck in my head. I hate it. It's, it's partly because of Jim Sterling, but also because that thing is just stuck in my head because that's just garbage catchphrase. Uh, but yeah, uh, Division 2. Fuck Division. Uh, fuck Tom Clancy, actually. Uh, yeah. Fuck that shit. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm greatly enjoying the characters. The story... Hmm. Now that we are finally like well into the story like talking about Eivor as a thing let's like like how do you feel about the story so far I am nearing the end of the story so my opinion is going to be a little bit 
different, I suppose. I've explained, you have already read the plot synopsis, so you're aware of the details of the story, like the sort of spoilery bit. So I think we might have to put a spoiler content warning on this. Uh, bit. So I would say, I would say it's spoilers. So I actually only read what happens in the real world and not what happens to Eivor. Don't know how Eivor's stories ends because as I've seen, so my first Assassin's Creed game that I actually beat was Odyssey, which I started, but I picked up earlier in the year. I mean, I bought it and finally actually played through it earlier in the year. And so, I learned from that game, if I ignore this real world shit, it's pretty good. Pretty good if I just pay attention to what happens in the past. And that's how I'm doing this game. So Eivor's arc, right? If you ignore the real world stuff, yeah, I feel like it's, it's satisfying it's, it's, so far. I, I really enjoyed the arc structure. The way that they have these sort of stories that are... I mean, these characters are all part of the same like story, like overarching narrative, but they are all little separate stories with their little separate problems right like every so i think it's like to explain how it works in game right so basically like how the game actually for gameplay perspective instead of one main quest you go quest bang 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 like how um odyssey was this game is there's a map and each there's different arcs in different parts of england that you can go to right and you can pledge to do that arc and accept that quest and so each each one is self-contained, but still beats into the main narrative, right? But it's like a little self-contained character story that then, you know, leads in throughout the in and out of the main narrative of the game as you progress through it. Right. Like the, uh, like every, like it's like the, the gameplay narrative thing is that you are playing, you're going to, you're going to try to get alliances with all these different, uh, like little kingdoms in England, right? Like little, like little, like I guess shires, as you call them. They're called shires. So all these little shires and their kings and the king of Mercia. You know, there's Mercia. There's the, there's the sort of the Danes to the north. You know, there's the there's the Saxons. There's uh, London. The, there's London, right? Like all these, like you're trying to get alliances with these, right? Like that's the sort of premise of the story is that you're building because you're new to this. Like the Raven Clan and the Ravensthorpe is like a little town, and like you're y'all are new in this place. You try to build uh, like alliances so that like you don't survive in this in this country. Um, so that's the premise of the all these arcs, right? So you do each arc, right? The arcs are separate. Uh, it has a start, beginning, and end, right? Like you you pledge to the do the arc, and you do the arc, then you do the next one, right? You can only pledge to one at a time. Um, and you can, you can sort of do them, and I and I have been really enjoying all of them. Like all of them are different. Like they are not the same, right? Like they each arc is like each arc is technically about sealing an alliance, getting an alliance with the Raven Clan for the Raven Clan. But the way they go about each story is different, right? Like you can, I think you can agree with that. It's like each story is. The characters are different, and the way the inter- like the way the story goes and the the premise is different, right? Like the the problems in the arc are different than each of like each of them are different. It's unique, right? Each arc is different enough where you're like, I'm this story is interesting. Like I'm I'm curious where this one goes now, right? And I, I think a thing that works as well is you also see real environment change with it. So, like for example, what happens in most arcs is that you say started a town, that town is completely hostile to you. And then by the end of the town, you can fast travel there. You don't have to worry about anyone attacking you on site. And I feel like that sort of environmental change helps solidify sort of the actual narrative of the arc itself. The sort of pro- the progression, right? It sort of feels like you're actually making an impact on this world, and like sort of like the way you talk. And people will talk about it in the streets, right? Like I like like uh, like what do you like you do quests in a certain area. Like people will talk about what you did, and like I remember doing this, like killing some order members that was part of the story quest, right? And 
they, they like people talk about them in the streets like oh that that person like wasn't he like a merchant or whatever like was was he was like a big merchant he died like what happened to him like people are talking about you in the streets you know people are talking about you in the streets so it's cool to see that sort of like world sort of environmental storytelling I guess it's it's like it's neat I like I I'm enjoying it like there's a certain there's certain arcs that are more interesting than others for sure but there's certain story events that are quite quite jarring and I know. You you messaged me about one of these because I knew you were gonna react that way to that particular story beat. Uh, that that one fucked me over, bro. That one, I I, I think I think the way they do their writing is a little Game of Thrones like, where it's like no one's safe, everyone can die, right? Everyone can die is like the way. Yeah, it, that one that one is that one is hundred percent that that one that one is that one is hundred percent a Game of Thrones story. Like it's. Somebody was inspired by Game of Thrones for that one. Specifically that one, I feel like somebody was like, what if that happened? And like, what if what if this this happened to this character? Like just in the way that it would happen in Game of Thrones. Like it just felt I, I mean, I, I it, it still worked really well. I feel like it was really effective the way they did that story, and the way they ended that story as well. Like the repercussions of that story later on in the in the the, in the arcs is also important. Uh, so that's that's cool. So there's as you I think I've, we've been alluding to is this there's like certain decisions in in Valhalla that can give you different endings, right? Like can you like sort of vaguely expect like sort of like overall explain what that is? Like it's sort of like a Right, so so I guess the way to say in like in in Odyssey, it was mostly if you killed someone or didn't kill someone was affected the ending, right? Whereas in Valhalla, it's more of like little things. Even from the first when you go when you leave Norway to go to England, right? Little things you do there. It's more of like a, a tally system, right? Where if you do more, if you get more points of choices in the, in the bad ending, you get the bad ending. If you do more, if you have more choices in favor of the good ending, you get the good ending, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So that's I, I think I think I'm I'm more in favor of the good ending at this point. I'm pretty sure I am. Uh, like the way I've been seeing like the ending, like I can tell which ones can give you the bad ending. Like it's kind of like when the choices come up, I'm like, mm, one of these is one of these is clearly going to be a bad ending. Like uh, maybe I should have punched ex so and so in the face. You know, maybe I should have because that guy was actually you know. Yeah, no, I ruined my ending. I ruined my choice for a good ending. This isn't a spoiler, but um, if the game gives you a chance to fuck your sister in law, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> that's that's. <laughs> Just you know, just just as a heads up, you know, just just in general, don't. maybe in, in general, don't in general, but yes, uh, don't don't. Uh, but yeah, uh, there is. I I I just I, I am enjoying the stories and I'm enjoying the characters. Every character is very interesting and feels like their own sort of like everybody has their own problems and like like it's it's all very good. I I can't wait for you to get one particular arc, the one in Gloucestershire. I can I cannot wait for you to get to that. I think you'll like that one. It's it's kind of fun. Uh so I'm definitely like like it's every every arc like every, whenever an arc starts and finishes, I'm like I'm looking forward to the next one for sure. Like it doesn't feel like oh here goes another one. Like I'm not getting bored of them. Like they're not the same thing for sure. It definitely feels more like from a storytelling perspective, I feel like they they added more variety to the stories for sure. Uh, that's that's, uh, that's and and I think another sort of storytelling bit we should talk about is I I'll let you be the choice if you think this is a spoiler because I don't think it is. Cause I'm not going to talk about what happens there, but this game gets spiritual and like metaphysical and stuff. And you have and there's arcs that don't take place on Earth, right? There's like arcs that take place in like North mythology. Yes, I mean I it's I it's I don't think this is technically a spoiler. I guess I don't know, but it is that like, you do play in a different realm at some point i'm not gonna say what it is i guess it's multiple realms we should say you play in multiple realms and and i what i like most about those is that 
instead of having one big ass map, because the issue with Odyssey is that the map was just too big and there's not enough to do on it. This game has lots of smaller maps because England is way smaller than than Odyssey's, you know, than the Greek Greece was. Yeah, definitely, dude. It does feel it does feel small. Yeah, but you get smaller maps, right? Like the Vinland, Norway, um, the the mythical realms you go to, right? They're all like ten. It may be the same size if you put them all together, but because they're different areas, right? Like it gives you like like when you're say, well, you know, once again, not really a spoiler piece. I'm not gonna tell you what happens there, but when you're in Asgard, right? Like it gives you it's so it's a much different design than Middle Ages England, right? And it gives you so much more variety instead of everything looking like perpetual autumn in Odyssey. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know if you've got it to Jorvik yet, but you it's not actually perpetually autumn in uh, some parts of England that you get to uh, later on. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, but it is there is some variety, but yeah, it's a lot of like sort of English autumn weather, uh, for sure. Uh, that's 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 I mean, so there's only so much good. I don't think England has a lot of weather variety. That's I don't think it's the designer, I don't think it's the fault of the people who made the environments, uh, because that's how the environments would be. Uh, so I'm not like really faulting them for that one. That's why I like to give you different countries, right? You have like Norway and then Vinland and all those, right? Yeah, it's uh, Vinland is different enough. Uh, I mean, it's not too different. It's still sort of Englandish because of just the where it is in in, in the world. But yeah, uh, like enough variety. Well, I think there's something too maybe to talk about Vinland. Like not spoilerish, right? Because we're not going to tell you the story bits that happened there. But we and you were talking about before we started recording where they have indigenous folks, natives to actual America, right? If they have indigenous. Okay, and now let's yeah, let's talk about that because I think it's important to talk about this. Uh, it's not often that you get. Uh, indigenous characters in video games for the first like first first of all that's that's actually not a common occurrence and second you don't get indigenous characters talking in their own language in this case it's iroquois and in this case the iroquois text is not translated in subtitles it is spoken iroquois and the subtitles are transliterated iroquois so it's like english characters are being used to like basically the words in Iroquois, right? It's being transliterated, not translated. Uh, so it is there. So Avor and you both cannot understand what the Iroquois are saying to you. And there's an there's entire dialogue with them. There's a, the characters, like there's a little campfire scene. I'm not going to say, say what happens there, but like the characters speak to you in Iroquois and Avor doesn't understand a word, but it is like, it is a thing that happens. Like the, the game doesn't, translate the Iroquois for you. And I don't know if the the Iroquois voice actors in this game are people who are actually Iroquois uh, in our current times. Uh, like, I, I don't know that. I uh, If anybody does know that, let us know if it's either way. Like, I want to know what the, what that is. Like, who who voice acted these? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know anything about Iroquois, so I can't tell if this is, like, native speakers or not, you know, etc. Like, so... So that is a thing that happens in this game. I was surprised, actually. I was like, wait a second. They're actually, like, they actually did this in a Ubisoft game where they didn't just have the native, uh, the Iroquois people just speak English in the game. Like, they actually had somebody write dialogue in Iroquois and have the voice acted in Iroquois and not translated, which is, uh, which is like quite significant. I feel like from a video game perspective, especially for a triple A budget one, right? Like, it's, like you don't see this kind of shit in, in like especially for uh, like uh, Native American representation in video games, right? Like it's, I definitely feel this is kind of unique in that sort of sense, right? Oh, also just to let you know, just for the that tribe, right? So that tribe is the I'm gonna butcher this pronunciation. 
Uh, you just put the show, we should just put the text of the name in the, in the show notes. I feel like that. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. But they are the uh, Canon Kehakta tribe, which is um, the uh, the same one Connor's from in Assassin's Creed Three. For anyone who's playing, oh, that's that's a callback. That's a callback. Then, eh? That's a, that's kind of a cool callback. I guess there's connection to Assassin's Creed Three there. Uh, that's neat. Um, yeah, yeah. Assassin's Creed Three was also like uh, had. I guess I guess the Assassin's Creed series is not foreign to this sort of like Native American representation, but I feel Assassin's Creed Three did a m- much worse job of it. Uh, I, as far as I remember, I don't remember much about Assassin's Creed Three, if I'm being perfectly honest. But uh, I don't think it represented it, it in the same way that it's doing in this game. And it's like I, it's kind of interesting that somebody made a decision here to not translate the text at all. Uh, or the voice, the, the the dialogue, rather, and I think it's a pretty good decision, actually. Like I, I think it's uh, it it's trying. I don't know if it's trying to make a point because it's a it's a Ubisoft game, so I don't know if if anybody's trying to make a point, right? Like so, like I'm not gonna say the game's trying to make a point with this, but to me, it sort of like demonstrates like you can't do that. You can't. It's not. I think beyond like like you don't understand it. Avor doesn't understand it. And it's fine. Like I, I don't have a problem with me not understanding what they're saying. Like I, I don't actually have a problem with that. That's, uh, that's fine. Like, uh, I don't know what else to say beyond that. But like, it's, it's. it's yeah, because I, I guess I would say like the split for accessibility reasons on this, right? Because I feel like I feel like a lot of mug gamers are gonna like start, you know, saying that maybe that this would be like anti-accessible. But, but when, when from a narrative perspective, right? If you have natives in the games, as rare as you said, native speaking native tongue is rare as is. It's not the same. It's not the same as English being spoken to English speakers and not giving subtitles. Is that right? It's more of like this. Seems like a more of like a fuck you English speaker, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like yeah. It feels like you are like. It feels like the game is telling you you are a foreigner in this land. You are the you are the stranger. You're the person coming here, and you, you are talking to us, and we are talking to you. We are going to speak our language, and you're not going to understand it. That is going to be the way it is because that's how languages work. Uh, so, like that's that's I think is I don't know if anybody was trying to make a point with that, but it I, it does come across that way to me. I mean, they can't make a point. It's Ubisoft games, not political, not political. Natives, natives are not political. Yeah, maybe some writer somewhere, maybe some Ubisoft writer somewhere made made a point of it, made a point there. And if that if that's you know, shout out to you if that's you. Uh, like uh, that's 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 cool. Uh, I I would love to know if it's like the Iroquois stuff in it is actually proper and it's like being done. Yeah, I've been trying to Google during the time i can't find of course i can't be as games media doesn't give a shit about natives people but i can't find a single article talking about it no i i really want to read it i, re- I want to read i want to read somebody who is iroquois write about this like i really want somebody to write about this like i i, I want to hear about this from the perspective of our iroquois person uh in our current time so uh if if that's a thing i feel like uh i would love to read that piece uh so that that, that would be interesting to me so that is, is there anything else that you want to talk about from the story perspective that is worth getting into? Like at this point, I feel like we're... No, not from the story perspective. I think, I think because it's a Ubisoft game though, I think it would be remiss of us not to speak about Ubisoft in 2020. And especially this game's developer, right? Like this game's director and all, all the fuck shit that happened with it. Uh, so this game's director, I don't remember his name, but... He was the one who was like cheating on his wife, I think, with like... But I mean, which, which I mean, isn't like abusive that by default like i don't want to like you know that's not in that's that's never messy but that was more of he was using his power as a game director to get people to fuck him i believe was the was the um yes 
Yeah, yes, that's that's the that's the actual problem. He was using his uh, his power and his uh, ability, like to yeah. It is. It is. Yeah, it's not good. He he resigned, I believe. Uh, is that what happened to him? Uh, did he resign? Uh, yeah, he resigned he from yeah. it. Yeah. So this game didn't have a director like uh, when it was released. Like, uh, and for a while of his development, I guess it's just I didn't have a I didn't have a game director. I guess, uh, which is an interesting thing. I suppose somebody stepped in as an interim thing, but uh, like it, it, that's a, that's a thing that happened. And also in general, in general, Ubisoft, Ubisoft has been obviously as the, uh, people people who listen to our podcast are well aware. I know a lot of our uh, listeners also watch uh, watch Jim Sterling, so you, you probably already know what's, what's what we're about to mention is that Ubisoft has been harboring abusers and probably still is harboring abusers uh, in their organization for years, and they have uh, they have tacitly ignored or like even encouraged such behavior over this time just by letting these people work there over time, uh, and uh, Ubisoft employees have you know been talking about this to press anonymously you know uh for sure like they've been talking about how the the surveys are like people don't feel safe in this company because of x y and z person because this person is in a position of power in the company and they feel like they cannot do anything about if, if this about that person if they if they are being abusive or, or otherwise you know harassing somebody like it's 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 a shitty situation at that company even compared to Relative to other AAA like video game development, right? Like it is just a shit situation all around. Uh, and I think I think there's an important question though um, that I have an answer to, but I'm curious what yours is. So we paid for this game, me and you both, either subscription service I mean, or I bought it not, outright. Yeah, yeah, right? I we paid. paid, we, paid we gave amount. Ubisoft money, right? You, you did give in one money, one yes. form or another. And so I know you or you nor I probably aren't going to be picking up Cyberpunk because of how shitty CD Projekt Red is. So the question is, and I think it's a fair one to ask, why is this acceptable and that game isn't, right? Where's the line? Where's the split? Why, you know, I have an answer for this, but I'm curious on yours, right? Like, why, why is this one fine for you to play? I, I, know, I, know you, I know you said we won't pick up Cyberpunk, but I'm not sh- sure, sure about that myself. Like, I, don't, I haven't made a full judgment yet on that. I, I think, okay, so this is a difficult question because I, I think the, the reason I picked this game up over... Uh, and the thing is, it's, it's mostly because it is Assassin's Creed specifically. Uh, mostly because as, as people might know, Assassin's Creed is my series. It's the one series that I care about anymore. Uh, still, right? So that's the, probably the reason I picked it up. There's not much else, to be honest. I wanted to see this iteration of this game. That's, 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 that's basically my reasoning for picking this game up. Uh, and I did, Make the effort not buy it directly for the which would be the lowest. I, I pay the lowest amount possible to Ubisoft to get this game, which is all I could really do in that case. I feel like, other than like other than buying a console or like and buying a used copy, I don't I don't know if that's a feasible solution. But uh, but yeah, uh, that's why I bought Valhalla is is because I wanted to get uh, see what this Assassin's Creed game was like. Uh, that's that's basically like I don't have a more like I don't, I'm not gonna like say it's a made up reasoning. That's basically the reason I just wanted to see this Sanskrit. Right? No, no, no. If, I mean, I'm, I'm like not to like it, that is always a valid reason. You just wanted to play the game, right? He's on. I just wanted to play Valhalla. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, I guess like on, on my end from it, with with regards to Ubisoft's shadiness, right? 
like CD Projekt Red for me, I won't support it because like that that's like they like the amount of transphobia that comes out of there is I that's where I draw a line in the sand with that. Yeah, I'm that, that's what I'm. That, I mean, that's what that's what I, that one is like. I I'm I'm like more on leaning on the like I'm I'm not, still not made my decision for it, but I'm leaning on the side of not buying that game mostly because I have no real attachment to any game CD Projekt Red makes. Right? I did enjoy The Witcher Three, but does doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Uh, that was a long that was a long time ago. And there was a one game, uh, and it doesn't really mean much in the in the face of like CD Projekt Red's behavior over the over the last few years or so but with regards to to ubisoft though for me it's more of that if we take a look at labor if we take a look at how sort of the video game market specifically actually works right if when when you have like this is also for riot too right where this is i feel like this argument also work for riot there where buying or not buying a game as we've seen before Cuts usually happen with the workers, the anyways, queer folks working, happen, right? It'll happen they anyways. happen anyway to them. So my my view on this is what we would push for is more accountability for Ubisoft and also for more things to just leak the fuck out of there. More Jason Schreier reports, our, right? Our, 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 unionization, post Yeah, unionization of the workforce, right? Those sorts of things are what's going to bring actual change. For me, I don't see. And once again, if you are someone who says not nah, fuck Ubisoft, I'm not buying the game. I, you know, I'm not I respect gonna, it. No, 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 that's yeah. that's a, that's a perfectly but respectable. Decision. I don't yeah. see that buying or not buying the game is going to matter in in sort of a box. Whereas just where, where you want to look for more unionization of the workplace, more scrutiny towards the company, and that's where actual change will come from. Because sort of the I think Jim's talked about it before too, where the the argument that your buying power matters. For mom and pop shop, sure, right? Like if, yeah. if um for if, a if small Dave, business in your community, yeah. yes, for a small business. Like if Dave shop yeah. down the street posts Blue Lives Matter on his wall, like nah, fuck him. Like yeah, everyone stop buying there, and that'll make a tangible impact. But Ubisoft that gets marketing deals from Microsoft, gets deals with Google for Stadia, right? Gets all of these deals. A couple of a couple of people on on Twitter not buying a game or Mastodon not buying the game. I don't think will make meaningful impact. Whereas more bad press, more push reunionization will. Yes, we we should be pushing for workers. Like we should be supporting workers in their if efforts to better their workplaces. Is basically the gist, right? It's just you. If you want to actually bring change to this fucked up video game industry, is it's gonna have to start by helping the people who actually work in it. Like especially people who, especially people at the bottom who are suffer the most, is usually QA people. Who suffer a lot. Uh, that is that is uh, that has always been the case, as far as I know, as far as, as far as I'm aware of, of of the video game industry bullshit. Is that QA people suffer a lot, but like just in general, people suffer a lot. Minorities in video games suffer a lot. Women in video games suffer a lot. You know, like just just like there is a lot of problems that we need to fix. Like there is a lot of problems that cannot be fixed. Like, 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 not buying the game will not change Ubisoft's policy or Ubisoft harboring abusers, right? Like, the Ubisoft, Ubisoft keeping abusers in their company is a systematic problem within their company. It's a problem with their company culture. It goes to the very top, right? It goes to Eve's Gilmore, right? It's this, that is not a problem you and I can solve with buying power. And buying power is, is, not a, not a concept that applies to these large companies anyway. 
Like it is just they're so large it does not matter. And I mean, I mean truthfully, most people don't have buying power. Um, exactly. For example, That's, there's uh, um there's gonna be a there, Browning's episode up. Yes, I was about to mention where, where I they talk to about it. like the myth of black buying power, right? And I feel like obviously while this is in a different context of more of just like social movement and, and sort of social growth and, and economic growth there, I think some of those core thoughts also apply here where you sort of look at games like these and you look at where, where for you, right? Like you don't spend money on gotcha. And it's not because you not spending money on gotcha will make the gotcha industry cry. I don't give a fuck about you, right? It's just a personal thing where you just don't want to engage in that content. No, no, absolutely. Uh, no, no, I don't. It's, it's person. Um, I just don't want to engage in the gambling mechanics, right? That's not my thing. I, it's not, it's not, it's not what I find fun or engaging or anything. And I don't, I don't have problem people with people who do gamble, who do play a gotcha. Like I don't have a problem with that. It's just, I don't think like, I'm not, me not buying it is just a personal thing it's with better personal taste really now i mean obviously i hope the gotcha industry gets better as it is to most of the game industry but yes uh it is like it does not affect change as is it's not the, the 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 capitalist myth of it's it's a myth like i if i'm just gonna say people just go listen go to the latest episode of the groundings podcast just in general the groundings podcast is quite good uh i, I would recommend it if i if, if we're making a podcast media recommendation you know uh it's been a while but groundings is is a good good podcast uh, so we should wrap up i think we've gone this is the longest an episode has been in a while i feel like we had a lot i think the longest this year <laughs> yeah for sure it's been the longest year this year so let's wrap up um as always uh show notes are going to be on two shades of brown.com con feedback and stuff can obviously be sent by email contact at twoshadesofbrown.com. You can find me on Mastodon at packetcan at tenforward.social and my website, sonicsafe.com. And Trissa, where do people find you on the internet? So my Funimation free trial ran out, so I wasn't able to watch this week's episode of Love Live. Um, but from what I read on the subreddit, at the very least, it looks like it was a pretty weak character episode. Um, so if y'all, if y'all, um, I will be, um, grabbing the XDCC off horizon.net later. I'm kidding. I don't pirate things, but you can find me online at chosefine.website. And with that, goodbye. Bye.